Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Well, I'm glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. And if you're our guest, maybe if it's your first time or if you're watching online, um, I just want to start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we're excited that you're with us. This is the second week as we launch this campaign, a year-long campaign of talking about what it means to be made for more stepping up into the more that God has for each of our lives. And so this week, I was just thinking about that verse over and over again. I had it up on the Bible app, and I was looking at it every day. What we talked about last week in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. And I was praying that over you guys this week. I was praying it over my life. God, help us to really live that out, God, how you've made us for more. I love seeing everything that you guys were posting on social media, on Facebook and Instagram of how you're praying that and asking God to use you and um, really to challenge you in your everyday life to really step into that. And so we're believing that this year. And last week we talked about that. If you weren't here, I'll kind of give you a quick snapshot of what we talked about together. But we mentioned, hey, there are some stories that have kind of um, been in our church, and we want to leave some of those stories behind. We we want to leave behind the story um, of just engaging with Scripture on a Sunday morning. And we want Scripture to be a vital part of our life so that it strengthens the marriages in our life. It strengthens our family and the relationships that we have. We don't want to be more passionate about the church than we are about Jesus in our personal walk with God. And so we're going to focus in on that. We talked about we're not comfortable with just being a church that likes to come into this room and we're surrounded in a community that's broken and that desperately needs transformation. And so we want to be a church that engages the community around us. And the last thing we talked about is, hey, we want to not just come to church when it's convenient. We want to be here faithfully so God can use our gifts and our talents, what he's placed in each of our lives to serve and to minister to others. And so we made some declarations. If you weren't here last week, um, you can take a picture of these. You can grab the booklet that we talked about because these are going to be the focus of the next year. We're going to talk about these over and over again. And we declared scripture is going to shape my life. Every day I'm going to engage with God's word. I'm going to get in God's word and ask him how it applies to me. My growth is my responsibility. We talked about that. I'm going to change the world, and it starts here every day saying, God, use me. Wherever you've placed me, God, use my life. Allow me to see other people changed and transformed as I share your story and what you're doing inside of me. And the last thing that we talked about was, I can't stay here. We declared that, God, we can't stay here. We don't want to be stuck or stalled out in our relationship with you. We want to use what you've done in our life, the gifts and the talents, to minister to others. God, we want to give generously and be like you Um, in every area of our life. And so we made these declarations last week. And I talked about how we didn't spend a lot of time on my growth is my responsibility because I wanted to spend some time today talking about that. 
what your next step is in your relationship with God. And so we're going to talk about this if you're just starting off or if you've been serving Christ for a little bit. What does it mean to really own that growth, that my growth is my responsibility, and what does that mean in my life? Now, some of you guys may know that I have an older brother. His name is Michael, and he spoke here at New Community Church before. He's an executive pastor um, in Fort Worth and serves at a church over there. And Michael and I, were really close. So we grew up together um, and we're just 13 months apart, so we did everything together. But um, we still talk on the phone quite a bit, like every week. We FaceTime almost every day. We're calling each other, just seeing what's going on. But growing up, there was something that could really divide Michael and I, even though we were very close, and that was sports. I don't know if any of you guys are the younger siblings, but growing up, my brother was always better than me. He was always bigger. He was always like a foot taller. Michael was the muscular guy, so he had big muscles. And I was just this scrawny, short kid. But in my mind, you guys, I believed that I could beat Michael at whatever sport I played. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter that he was bigger. I truly believe today is the day that I'm going to beat Michael at the basketball game. I'm going to beat him at football. I'm going to run faster than him. Whatever it was, I truly believe that. But that's never how the story ended, okay? So every time he'd shoot that game-winning shot, he'd be ahead by like 10 points. I'd almost be crying. I'd be so mad. I'm extremely competitive. And in that moment, I would rush at my brother. I'm going to kill you. And I'd run at him. And this is all Michael had to do. He'd hold out his hand. He'd get right here. I'd be swinging you guys, like trying to take him down. I'd be so mad. You cheated. I can't believe you. How did you win? Like all of this, I'd be so angry at him. I'd be frustrated. And in my mind, I think, man, I'm going to take him out. I'm going to make him pay for beating me. And then this would eventually happen. Michael would just pin me to the ground. Once again, this big guy, he would just pin me down, and he'd be laughing, which would make me even more mad. And then after a few minutes, I don't know, is anyone else a younger sibling, and that happened to you in the room, okay? A few of you guys, and he'd just pin me down, and all of a sudden, all of my aggression turned to desperation, because I wasn't getting up, you guys. He was way too much bigger. And so I would do this. This is the younger sibling's favorite words. Mom, help, right? Mom, come on. Michael won't let me up. Michael's beating me up. And so I'd, I'd, I'd start desperately crying. Mom, you've got to help me. Like, do something. Come in here. And she'd come in there and she'd break us up. And it was always my fault because I'd started the fight and everything. But, but there was that desperation. Like, I'd gotten myself stuck. I, I really thought I could take my brother on. I could not. And I'd get myself stuck in a situation and I'd start to cry out. I'd start to call out like I needed some kind of outside help. And there are times in our walk with God, you guys, that kind of comically like that, but not so comically in our walk with Christ, we get stuck, you guys. We stall out. We were going after God. We were going and moving forward in our relationship with God, but something happens and we don't know where to go from here. And in order to grow, in order to really own that responsibility in our growth, we have to cry out. We have to call out to God and, and realize that we can't stay here, that we need to move forward. And so I want to look at this story in the Bible where we see a few things that it takes in order for us to keep on moving forward, things that we have to do. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 10, or if you have um, your phone, you can turn there in the Bible app there, Mark chapter 10. We're going to start reading at verse 46. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, maybe one or two seats over, and it's on page 494 in that Bible, so you can take out that Bible and follow along with us. And once you have that, hold on to that for just one second. And if you're in the room and you're like, I don't know anything that's going on in the book of Mark, I don't know what's happening, let me give you a quick snapshot of what's taking place. Mark has written about the life of Jesus. 
And he kind of starts whenever Jesus began to minister here on the earth, whenever he was traveling around and preaching about the kingdom of God and doing miracles, Mark starts to write about that. And in Mark chapter 10, already almost three and a half years have passed in the life of Jesus when he was in public ministry, when he was traveling around and ministering to people. And this is just a week before the death, you know, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, um, almost at the end of the life of Jesus, Mark Um, starts to record this uh, story that happens in Mark chapter 10. And so you need to know this is Jesus was very popular at this moment. Everyone in the nation of Israel knew who he was. They had heard the stories of blind eyes being opened, people that were totally blind, could not see anything. And the next moment, they have their full sight restored to them. Individuals that were lame, they were stuck laying on a bed, begging for whatever they could get just to get by. Friends had to carry them everywhere And in the next moment, they were running up and down the street, jumping up and down, totally healed. They had even heard the stories of people that were dead, laid in a grave. They were already sealed in a coffin for days on end. And Jesus came and he spoke life. So everyone knew who this person named Jesus was. And there were great crowds of people that were following him everywhere. And Mark tells us this story of a man that heard Jesus was passing by. And so we pick up this story, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. This is what it says. And they came to Jericho talking about Jesus. And as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out out loud saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling them to be silent. But he cried out all the more, No, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, and he called him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, Go on your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This morning we're talking about owning our growth. My growth is my responsibility. That each and every one of us, we need to own that. And there's a few things that I see here in Bartimaeus' life, in this blind man's life, that allow him to experience this transformation, that allow him to experience this change and this radical difference in his life. And I want us to look at these things and see how God wants us to act, what it is that God wants from us in order to experience that change and that growth in our life. The first thing that I noticed whenever I started reading through this story is how this man is referenced. We're never told his name. Now, whenever you first read this, like you may have, if you grew up in church, you may have heard of this in Sunday school. His name isn't really Bartimaeus. That simply means what it says in that passage. He was referenced as the son of Timaeus. Bar meant son of Timaeus, okay? So that was how he's referenced. We're never told his first name, okay? I don't know if you had a football coach that always called you by your last name. That's kind of how this guy was, right? And how he's known, how he's identified, how everyone talks about him. Oh, that's that blind guy that begs. Yeah, that's that guy that sits out on the edge of Jericho right before you get ready to go into Jerusalem, before you go down the road. Yeah, it's that guy that sits out on the edge of town. He can't see anything. He's the blind dude that is always asking for money, that is always asking for food. And we quickly realize in Bartimaeus' life, his need is apparent to everyone. 
He's never referenced by his first name. He is simply known by the need in his life. And as hard as that is, right? Like in our culture, we would never say that. It wouldn't be politically correct. We use all these other words. Like everyone knows this man's need. It's out there. It's in the open for everyone to see. Oh yeah, he's the blind guy who begs on the edge of town. They know exactly what it is that he needs. But see, in knowing what it is that he needs and him owning that and him identifying that in his life, he set himself up for a miracle. He set himself up for God to do something supernatural inside of his life. And church, I thought about that in our own life where we're at spiritually in our relationship with God. Do you know what it is that you need? Have you called it like it is? Because Bartimaeus, I mean, his story is just real, right? They call it like it is. Hey, that's that blind guy who's always begging for stuff. In your walk with Christ, where you're at in your relationship with God, have you called it like it is? Do you know exactly where you're at? Do you know what your next steps are in your relationship with God? See, because many times we come into church and we think we have to act a certain way or behave a certain way because that's how everyone else around us, around us expects us to be and we end up covering up our need. It's not like Bartimaeus. No one knows really what it is that we need. No one really knows where it is that we're at. And we get good enough, don't we? We come in, even though things may be going on in our life, and we put a smile on our face, we shake people's hands, we sing the songs, we do all of those things. We mask the real need in our life and where we're at in our relationship with God. We get so good of covering it up that eventually we start to lie to ourselves and think everything's okay when really it's not. Maybe we're stuck or maybe we're stalled in our relationship with God. Maybe we haven't moved forward in years. Everything's fine, though. We put on these masks. We wear these coverings so no one really sees what it is. And if you want to grow in your relationship with God, church, you've got to call it like it is. You've got to be honest. You've got to be real before God and say, hey, God, here's where I'm at. I don't know why I'm stuck. I don't know how I got here. Lord, I don't know what's taking place. But God, here's the truth of where I'm at. I'm willing to be honest with you. And when you're honest with God, when you're willing to open up in that moment, it reveals something. God is able to meet you at your place, at the point of your need, your place of desperation. See, many times we try to cover it up, but what if we couldn't? What if it was a cloak like Bartimaeus wore, like this blind man wore that allowed him to beg? What if we couldn't lie about it. I think for some of us, we may see some things in our life if we were truly willing to be honest. Like I'm a five-year-old baby, you guys. And I've been coming to church for a while. I've been doing this for a while, but I've not grown up at all. I'm still doing the same thing when I first started. And we try to mask this, like we, we don't want anyone to see this, but it comes out in different ways. Like we can see this in our life or in other people's life, right? Because they come to church and they're just a five-year-old baby. And so I come in and, and I go to the place where I usually sit at, but wait a minute, there's someone new there. Someone took my seat and what do I do? Wah! I start to whine about it like a little baby, you guys. I know it's awkward to think about that in church, but we do this, don't we? Like we do these kinds of, wait a minute, Pastor Aaron didn't come up and shake my hand this Sunday. He didn't talk to me. Maybe he's mad. Wah, wah. I start to whine about it like a little baby. I've not grown up in my relationship with God. I'm stuck here. And I'm not willing to, if I'm not willing to identify it, if I'm not willing to call it what it is, I'm not going to move forward. See, for others of you, you're like, wait, I'm not five years old. I've been doing this longer. Yep. 
and you're a 20-year-old toddler, you guys. What do I mean? You've been serving God for a number of years and you've never moved past the toddler stage because for you, church is all about me. You ever seen a little toddler? Mine, me, me, me. Everything's me. Everything's about mine. Everything's about what I want. So why don't they sing my favorite song at church more? Me, 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 right? Like, why, don't, why, don't, why doesn't the church do more of what I want it to do? Here's what I think should happen. Me, me, me. We're not looking at other people. We're not looking at if other people are being changed or transformed. Church is all about me. I'm just a 20-year-old toddler. I've never moved on in my relationship with God. For someone else in the room, you're just the intellectual Christian. Just studying God's word, you guys. Trying to be here on Sunday But as soon as someone asks you to serve, hey, could you help us lead a group? Could you lead other people in what you've learned in the word of God? I don't know if I can do that. Just trying to find out more about who God is. Hey, can you help lead one of our kids' classroom? Can you help coordinate or can you lead the greeters at the 930 service? I I don't know if I can do that. I'm just trying to learn more about God's word. See, we try to cover this up because we don't want anyone to see what's really going on. But church, if you can't call it like it is, you're never gonna grow. Bartimaeus could have stood there and said, you know what, I'm fine, everything's okay, nothing's wrong, and he would have never received a miracle. Nothing would have ever happened if he would have denied that he was blind, but he doesn't, he calls it like it is. He realizes the need in his life. Church, have you done that? Have you identified what's really going on, where you're at in your walk with Christ? Do you know where you're at? Do you know where that is in your life? There's another passage. You can write this down and look at it later. It's in the book of John, and it's in John chapter 9, verse 40. Jesus heals another man. This isn't Bartimaeus. Someone else is blind, and Jesus heals him. And Jesus is talking to him afterwards, not just about physical blindness, but about spiritual blindness, those moments in our life where we can't see spiritually. We don't even see our need from God. And there's these religious people around him. There's these people that have gone to church for a number of years. They've done church for a while and they're listening in. And they say, wait a minute, Jesus, are you saying that we're blind? And Jesus looks at him and he says, man, I wish you could admit that. I wish you could admit that you can't always see where you're at. That sometimes you get stuck because if you could only admit that, I could take away your guilt but because you sit there in your righteousness and say, I'm fine, everything's okay, I'm good in my relationship with God, and you don't admit your need, there's nothing I can do for you. Your guilt remains. Church, we've got to call it like it is. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're just starting off or if you've been doing this for a while, but the goal is that you would not get stuck, that you would be honest enough to say, God, here's where I'm at, and I want to take those next steps, but I've got to identify where I'm starting from to know where you want me to go. God, I've got to be honest with what's taking place in my life. And so I want to ask you a few questions, and I want you to write this down. Where are you at? If you've got a smartphone, you can write this down, but I'm gonna quickly walk you through these and then I want you to write down, Aaron, that's the one that identifies me. You're not gonna turn this in. We're not gonna make you wear a big sign when you come into church, okay? This is for you. It's an honesty moment between you and God to say, God, here's where I'm at and I wanna know where that is because I wanna grow. I don't wanna stay here. I wanna move forward. And so the first is this, I believe in God, but faith isn't a significant part of my life. Yeah, I believe there's a God. I believe that God is real. I, think he's out there somewhere. But when I look at my life, 
it's not really changing anything on a daily basis. Believe in God, but faith isn't a significant part of my life. The second thing, I believe in Jesus and am working on getting to know him better. Yeah, Aaron, I've prayed, I've invited Jesus into my life. I've started that relationship and I'm trying to get to know what it means to follow after him. The third, I feel close to Christ and I depend on him daily. Every day, I'm saying, God, I wanna get closer to you. Wanna know what it means to follow you, Lord. Every single day, God, I'm depending on you. And the last thing, this, this last stage, my relationship with Jesus guides everything I do. How I'm gonna respond to my boss, how I treat my wife, how I treat my family, how I treat my neighbors, the decision of which car I'm gonna buy or what house. I, I take all of that to God and say, Lord, you lead me, you, you guide me, you direct me. Jesus, guide me in every single thing that I do. Where are you at, church? If you haven't already, just take a moment, write that down, put it in your smartphone. Be honest with God and say, here's where I'm at. See, church, unless we call it like it is, unless we call it out and say, God, this is where I'm at, we can never move forward in our relationship with God. We're going to stay stuck exactly where we are. The next thing that I see in Bartimaeus's life is this desperation. Kind of like I talked about in that opening story of my brother pinning me down and me crying out, mom, help, mom, come help me. My brother's beating me up. There's this desperation. There's this cry for help in Bartimaeus's life. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out and people around him are like, Bartimaeus, you're embarrassing yourself. Hey, just be quiet. Don't yell that loud. Don't get that excited. Stop it. You're, you're making a scene. You're making a ruckus in the middle of this crowd. Stop doing that. But Bartimaeus has this desperation. He knows what's wrong in his life. He knows the need in his life. And he doesn't know if he's ever going to get a chance to talk to Jesus again. This could be his one moment and nothing is going to stand in his way. Church, are you that desperate in your life? See, because if you want to grow, if you truly want to move forward in your relationship with God, you've got to want it. You've got to have that same desire that says, Lord, there's a passion in me. There's a desire to get to know you more, Lord. It's an attitude of the heart, God, that it doesn't matter where I'm at. If I'm just starting off or if I've been doing this 20 years, there's an attitude in my heart that says, God, I'm going to pursue you. God, I'm going to cry out to you. God, I'm going to call out to you. Church, are you that desperate? Or is your walk with Christ categorized more as just a spectator? Because many of us, we live our life like this, right? Like we're just wanting to be entertained. Mm, that smells like some good popcorn, right? How many of you guys get popcorn when you go to the movies? Okay, a few of you guys. And that's how we come into church. We come into this place and in our relationship with God, in our, in our walk with God, we're merely spectators, right? Just wanting to be entertained. There's going to be super hard to talk now with the popcorn in my mouth. And we come in here and we see the songs on the screen and we sing along with them. We kind of mouth the words, but is it really coming from our heart? We come in here and we listen to the message and we listen to what the speaker has to say, but does it do anything to bring change or transformation? I'm at my house and am I opening up the Bible at all during the week? Or am I just a spectator? I'm just watching my Christian faith. Just entertain me. Just kind of watching what's going on and seeing it happen, seeing life pass me by. Or is there a desperation in you, church? 
Is there a desperation to say, God, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what other people say. God, I am going to pursue you, Lord. I'm going to go after you, God, with everything inside of me, Lord. I'm going to follow after you. Do you have that kind of desperation? Because that's the kind of church that we're becoming. That's the kind of church that we want to be, that we don't just show up on a Sunday morning and expect someone to kind of get us emotionally stirred up or or excited. We come into this place already ready saying, God, we're going to encounter your presence here. When I'm on my way to church, Lord, I'm expecting you to meet you here on a Sunday morning. God, when I come into this place, I'm expecting to hear your word. I'm expecting you to speak to me. God, I'm desperate to get to know you this week and to encounter your presence. God, that's how I come into this place. I show up for work throughout the week, God, and I am expecting you to use me. I'm expecting you to take my life, God, and use it to minister to others, use it to bring transformation to others. I show up into life expecting because I'm desperate for God to do something. That's the kind of church that we're going to become, a church that's desperate. Because if we truly want to grow, if we want to move from where we're at to where God is calling us, we've got to want it. Like Bartimaeus, we've got to cry out and say, have mercy on me. And so many of us in our walk with Christ, we like the idea of God changing our circumstances more than the idea of him changing us. And Bartimaeus doesn't sit there and say, hey, Jesus, everyone knows you. Could you get the crowd to give me some money? I haven't had a lot of food today. Hey, Jesus, you're a pretty popular guy, so can you get me into the marketplace instead of begging out on the edge of town? Can you give me a better circumstance? Can you give me a better location, Jesus? Because I could really clean up if I was in the marketplace around everyone else. He's not concerned with the circumstances changing. Bartimaeus is crying out, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And so many of our prayers aren't desperate, you guys. We're asking God to show up just in the circumstances of our life. God, give me a better car. Give me a promotion. Give me a bigger bank account. God, give me this. Give me that. Instead of actually praying, God, I'm broken and I'm desperately asking you to change me. God, make me more full full of compassion. God, make me more compassionate. Make me more merciful. God, make me more like you. God, make me more generous. God, don't just change the things around me. God, don't just give me a better location. God, I'm desperate for you to do something inside of me. See, if you want to own your spiritual growth, church, it's not just a better house. It's not just God doing you a favor. It's being honest where you're at and saying, God, I need something in here. I need something in here. God, have mercy on me. Start right in here, God, and bring a change there, that desperation to say, God, I need you in my life. The last thing with Bartimaeus that I see is he understood this principle. What got him there would keep him there. And one of the most powerful statements I feel like in this, passion, in this passage is at the very end. And if you still have your Bibles, you can look at this in verse 47. What we read, he begins to cry out, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And they rebuked him and he cried out all the more, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and called him. And Jesus asked, what is it that you want, Bartimaeus? And he said, I want to see, teacher, give me my sight back. And Jesus said to him, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Bartimaeus, you're healed. Go on your way. You can see now. But that's not what he does, is it? And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed Jesus on the way. Jesus is like, hey, okay, you can see. You got what you wanted. You can go on your way. 
But Bartimaeus knew this, that it was a cry of desperation. It was this plea for help that brought transformation. And that's what was going to keep transformation in his life. He could have gone on his way. He could have gone anywhere else. But he chooses to continue to pursue and follow Jesus. Why? Because that's what brought change in his life in the first place. That's what originally made the difference. In church, we can get comfortable. Sure, when we first came, we were desperate for him, but now we've kind of settled in. Sure, when we first came in, we couldn't hide it, could we? I mean, for some of you in this room, it was, it was drug addiction, it was alcohol addiction, it was a broken marriage, it was a messed up life, like your life was really messed up. But if we're not careful, at some point, we kind of settle back and we think, okay, we can just coast in our relationship with God. But that's not what brought original transformation in your life. It was you pursuing him. It was you saying, God, I'll do whatever it takes. My life is so messed up. God, my life is so jacked up. God, whatever you want from me, Lord, I'll do that. And that's what it's gonna take to keep that transformation, to keep salvation in your life, that you never stop following him, right? Like Bartimaeus, he could have just stayed in that same place. He could have showed up the next day right there. Hey, I can see now. I used to be blind, but, but I can see, hey, you got some money for me? Got some food? Could have showed up there the next day hey, this is right where Jesus healed me. Like, I couldn't see it, and now my eyes are open. I was standing right here when that happened. Hey, can you give me something? Got something for me? Can I get a handout? He could have chosen to stay right there in the old life that he was, but he knew something, that it was following Jesus. It was crying out to Jesus. It was pursuing him that brought change and transformation, and that's what was gonna keep change and transformation in his life, and so he follows after Jesus. Are you doing that, church? You passionately going after him? I'm not asking how long you've been in church. You may say, hey, I've been doing this for 15 years. The sad truth is some of us are still stuck in the same place. We've just been doing the same thing over and over again. We haven't moved forward. We originally came to him, but we've stopped following him. And we're doing our own thing now. In church, that same heart that you had when you first came to Christ, that same desperation, that same plea of repentance and transformation, it's what's going to keep you growing. It's what's going to keep change in your life when you continue to follow after him. I've mentioned this before, but I've been a pastor almost 20 years, and my prayer is the same almost every single morning. I wake up and I say, God, I'm broken. Lord, it doesn't matter what title I have as a pastor. I will screw up today if it's just left up to me, God. I won't talk to my wife the way that I'm supposed to. I won't treat my kids the way that I'm supposed to. I won't lead the church the way that you want me to. I'll be selfish, God, and I'll lead it out of my own selfishness, out of my own ego, God. I won't treat people the way that you want them to. God, I am a broken, messed up person, Lord. And so today I cry out, God, change me, transform me. Church, it doesn't stop after five months. It doesn't stop after five years. It doesn't stop after 50 years. You st better still be following him. You better still be growing. You better still be pursuing him or you're gonna get stuck in your relationship with God. You wanna own that transformation? You wanna feel the responsibility of your growth? You've gotta be honest with God of where you're at. You've gotta get desperate. You've gotta want it, church. And you've gotta continue to follow after him. You got to continue to pursue him in your life. And so I want to just quickly at the close of this service, just show you what the next steps are that we're focused in on. And earlier in the service, you wrote down 
one of these statements. They're in the booklet. So if you didn't grab a booklet last week, you can get one this week, but you can write these down. You can take a picture of them, but they're also in the booklet. And here's what we're gonna do. Wherever you're at, there's some action that you can take to begin to pursue God. If the first thing, I believe in God, but faith isn't a significant part of my life. If, if that's the statement, then what we're asking you to do is to serve on an NCC team at least once per month. Can be more, but at least once per month. It's gonna help you start to move forward in your relationship with God. If you're not doing that, you need to. Now, let me pause here and say this. This isn't a plea from the church like, hey, we don't have enough volunteers. We need you. Please help us. Please help us. This isn't about us. This is what helps you grow in your relationship with God. This is about you moving forward in your walk with Christ. This is a part of your spiritual growth to say my growth is my responsibility. The next, pray to seek guidance in your life throughout the week. You're stopping saying, God, what do you want from me? God, lead me and guide me. Show me the direction that you have for me. Reflect on scripture for meaning in your life. You open up God's word throughout the week and you start to look through it and say, God, let me think about that scripture over and over again. What are you trying to say to me? If it was this second statement, I believe in Jesus and I'm working on getting to know him, then I wanna challenge you, pray to seek guidance for your life daily. Every single day, don't let a day go by. It's what's gonna help you move forward and grow in your relationship with God. Reflect on scripture for meaning in your life at least three to four times a week. Have meaningful spiritual conversations with non-Christians. If that statement defines you, if, it, if you can be honest and say, hey, this is where I'm at, it's vitally important that you talk to other people about what God's done in your life, that you share that. See, many of us get stuck because we forgot where God brought us from. Many of us stall out in our relationship with God because we've never shared with anyone else our story in our testament, what God has done in our life. We've kept it to ourselves and we've forgotten the goodness of God. If you're here, you need to begin to look for those conversations. In my workplace with a family member, how do I just, how do I share with them what God's done in my life and then have that conversation? If that third statement I feel close to Christ and depend on him daily. If that defines you, then you look for daily opportunities to give your life away. I'm looking for it. I'm looking, God, what can I do today? God, to sacrifice, to give, to meet the need in someone else's life. I'm reflecting on scripture for meaning in my life regularly. And once again, I'm having meaningful spiritual conversations with non-Christians. If it's that fourth statement, my relationship with Jesus guides everything I do, then I'm looking for new opportunities to give away my life. I'm reflecting on scripture for meaning in my daily life and I'm serving those in need at least one per, once per month. Going to people that are broken, people that are hurting, people with needs and I'm intentionally serving them and meeting that need. Why? Because this is how we grow. Because growth is my responsibility. I have to do something. And church, my prayer is that this morning you could be honest. If you're just starting out, be honest. Own that and say, God, this is where I'm at, but I don't want to stay here. A year from now, I don't still want to just be starting out. If you've been doing this thing for 20 years and maybe you think I should be there, but honestly, you've taken a few steps back. You need to own that. You need to call it like it is and say, God, this is where I'm at, but I don't want to stay here. I don't want to still be here a year from now, God. I wanna take that next step. And that's my prayer, church, is that everyone that's hearing this, whether you're listening online, whether you're in this room, you're hearing this message that 
this year you would make a decision, God, I'm going to take that next step. Wherever I'm at, God, I'm going to begin to take those action steps, Lord, to move forward in my relationship with you. Church, I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And you may be here this morning and say, Aaron, if, if I'm going to call it like it is, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. Maybe you've been sitting in this church for a while and, and people think that your relationship with God is good. But if you were to be honest, you would say, Aaron, I've not done anything to really cultivate that relationship, to grow that relationship. But I want to. I want to take that next step. Maybe someone invited you this morning. This is your first time here. And you're saying, I'm realizing this morning I need Jesus in my life. I need that relationship. I want to take that step of following after him. If that's you in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at and to come forward right up here to the altar. I want to pray for you. The word of God is very clear. Each and every one of us, we're broken. Not one of us is without sin. We've all missed the mark that God wanted for our life. And we can't fix ourselves on our own, church. You can't do it by yourself. You can't be good enough. You can't try to come to church enough. You can't do it on your own. That's why Jesus came. And he gave his life on the cross. He died for you. He died for me so that we could receive his forgiveness. So that we could know what that next step is in our relationship with God. And if you're here and you're saying, Aaron, that's me. And you need a brand new start. You need a fresh start in your relationship with God. And you want to begin to do that. If that's you and you would say, I don't have a relationship, but I want to start that this morning. Would you just stand up right where you're at? Come forward to the altar. I want to pray for you. I want to challenge you, be bold. If that's you, if God's spirit is speaking to you, don't miss this opportunity. I'm so excited for you. Church, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me, whether you're saying it for the first time, whether you've said it before, repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I'm asking you to forgive my sins and make me new. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I give all that I am to you. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate this morning? And we're all going to take that next step. So I want to close this in prayer this morning. And wherever you're at, whatever it is that you wrote down, whether you're just starting off, whether you're further along in your relationship with God, let's take a moment and say, God, this year, help me to move one more step forward, God. Help me to take those actions. Help me to those beliefs and those behaviors, God, that I need in my life to move forward. God, do that in my life this year. Let's pray together. God, I thank you from this, for this reminder from your word. God, what we see in the story of this blind man, Lord, of this honesty, Lord, God, calling out where we are actually at in our relationship with you, God, to this desire and this passion, Lord, we're praying that that would be present in our life, Lord. So no matter where we're at, God, if we're just starting, Lord, if we're further along, God, if we're stuck and somehow we've stalled in our relationship with you, God, help us to own that this year, God, and help us to move forward, Lord. We do not want to end this year in the same place that we started it, God. 
We don't want to stay in the same place, God, that we've been in the past, Lord. We want to move forward in our relationship with you. And so I'm praying that over our church, God. Let us be that kind of church, God. Let us be that kind of church, Lord, that owns our spiritual growth, God, where we realize my growth is my responsibility, Lord, and we move forward. God, I'm believing that. Lord, I'm believing that over our church, over our life, God, that you are going to do that inside of us this year, God. And I pray this in your name. Amen.